You're listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast in Kingsport, Tennessee. We are a community committed to prayer, radical hospitality, and intentional invitation. Our gospel lesson is from Matthew, the 24th chapter, verses 36 through 44. Here now God's words for you. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding meal together and one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Advent is strange days. And it's always strange days that began this process that leads us to Christmas. Our culture dictates that we're supposed to begin Christmas just after Thanksgiving. Or if you're in retail, just after Halloween. And it lasts maybe until New Year's Day. Christmas is supposed to be about carols and babies, joy to the world, happiness, fulfillment, bright lights, wonderful presents. It's children waiting in grand anticipation and adults in a frenzied but glorious state of shopping madness. Any of that sound familiar? We know, we understand there is truth about the birth of a Savior. There are very few people in our country, I suspect, that doesn't know something about the story. The birth of the one who came to be. But this is not the time we really think much about God. And maybe that's why the ancient church invented the season of Advent. Advent is not what we think the days leading up to Christmas ought to be. If you took a poll among church people, I suspect you'd just as soon we get rid of Advent and celebrate Christmas for 40 days instead of 12 days. The Bible readings for Advent are hard, and they often don't make a great deal of sense to us. They have a, a joy and a wonder all their own, to be sure. And they are tempered with a healthy dose of what some of us would call reality and others would call gloomy and somber. It's the way we choose to look at the days. But the early church understood that faith, if it's to have any meaning in this world, especially in this world we live in, it had better be about more than making people feel good. Sometimes to really feel the depth of the reality of the joy of this march toward 
Christmas means we had better deal with the reality of the world we actually live in. And the world we actually live in is not always a pretty place. Advent takes our view of these days leading up to Christmas and it slices them to ribbons. Most preachers struggle with Advent. How do we explain what we don't understand ourselves? How do we talk about waiting to people like ourselves who don't want to wait for anything? I had a minister colleague years ago who got into serious trouble in the church he was serving because he insisted that they not sing Christmas carols until Christmas. They almost fired him. However, the long history of the church says you can't adequately celebrate Christmas, no matter how much you think you can, in a meaningful way until you take the walk through Advent. You can get the glitz, you can get the glamour, you can get all the minor stuff that swirls around the edges of the hardcore truth. But the incredible good news really only comes to us when we struggle through Advent to get there. Just as Lent precedes Easter and one prepares for the other, we have to listen to the hard lessons of Advent if we really want to be prepared for the Christmas that is to be. Otherwise, in spite of all your celebrations, you'll end up with a bit of a sour taste because they will never live up to your expectations. Advent grabs us. It grabs us by the arm, maybe it grabs us by the leg, and it drags us kicking and screaming into a hard reality look at the world we are in, and it makes us stare it right in the face. And then just as we begin to feel the pain of the world, it declares a new reality, a God-ordained reality that makes little sense to us on the surface. And we become overwhelmed with all the things we thought we knew and find that it's different. Both the gospel and the epistle lesson are typical of this waiting and this suddenness of Advent. In the gospel lesson, Jesus is speaking about the end of the world sorts of things, stuff we mainline Protestants don't want to talk about very much, but it is what Advent is also about. It's about remembering that the Jesus who is has already come and preparing for the Jesus who will, at some point in history, return. It's about this intrusion of God into our lives when we least expect it. We live, whether we like to admit it or not, in the in-between time in this world. The birth of the Savior, in reality, is a long-ago accomplished event. We are simply remembering and celebrating when we get to Christmas. But Advent and the Scriptures are not content with just remembering as great as the event may have been, it's only the beginning. It's not the ending. These days of preparation are not just getting us ready to relive a long ago event of history. 
They're preparing us for the time in a future we do not know when the Christ who came as a baby fulfills the requirements of his kingdom and that kingdom at last comes into full reality. A time when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. See, I don't think Jesus is speaking all that cryptically in the Matthew passage today. Oftentimes we say, well, Jesus is hiding this in these sorts of words. I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think Jesus is explaining to us very well that the time will come in a future when none of us can anticipate when the Son of Man, that is Jesus himself, returns and the kingdom is completed. That is a certainty according to Scripture. Jesus even understands that this future returning comes when we least expect it like, and that's what he says, like a thief in the night. Who wants to describe the coming of God as a thief in the night? But that's the way Jesus says it. There will be a kind of a suddenness that we can't anticipate. And if you think you've got it figured out, I can tell you right now, you're wrong. Doesn't work like that. Jesus is content to know that God in God's own wisdom has fixed a time and a place. We don't know when. Not the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, Jesus says. So it's Advent, and we celebrate not just the birth of the child and anticipate that glorious second coming, but it also asks us to think about the Christ who is here and now, and it's to empower and equip us to make ready in the world we live in some little piece of that kingdom. We have spent 12 weeks asking the question, what do disciples do? And you thought that was over, didn't you? It never ends. That's the question we ask every day for a lifetime. It never ends so long as we draw breath. And Advent helps remind us of that. It is intended to awaken in us, maybe reawaken in us, for some people, maybe for the first time, the awareness that time and history and human beings and all creation is moving toward a goal, an end, a fulfillment that God has established. We stand in that long stream of human history the holy, loving power of God released in the birth of a Savior starts this river of life and it begins to pick up speed until it becomes a mighty, overwhelming flood and it becomes for us the waters of baptism and we are carried along in that mighty stream throughout this thing we call life. Sometimes the way is rough and it's rocky. Sometimes the stream is not terribly visible. But down through the centuries... It washes us along. Our lives are witness to that event as we move inexorably toward God's great fulfillment. That's who we are. We are children of the Most High. Women, men, girls, boys, all a part of God's chosen people.
The Apostle Paul writes, Besides, you know what hour it is. The time is now here for you to awake from sleep. A time to awake from the dreams that separates us from God and awakens us to the new possibilities that Jesus brings. For salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Let us cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Marvelous words from Paul. Some think Paul is reminding us here of our mortality, and perhaps that is the case, but Paul is also reminding us, as we said a number of times in this past 12 weeks, our citizenship is not in this place. Our citizenship belongs to a higher realm. When the man we have come to call St. Augustine was 32 years old, he was converted to Christianity. However, up to that point, nobody could have guessed that he would become the foremost Christian writer, thinker, and theologian since the Apostle Paul. Augustine was born to a pagan father and a Christian mother in North Africa. And this absolutely brilliant man studied rhetoric, he read Cicero, philosophy, and later was appointed by the governor to teach rhetoric in Milan. He saw himself as a truth seeker and tried several different religions on for size in his search for the truth, even as he avoided his mother's Christianity. But Augustine, in spite of his true devotion and seeking the truth, was a pretty worldly fellow. He had a number of mistresses throughout his life. He had a son by the time he was 17. He lived a rather wild and loose life. But in Milan, he began to go and hear the great Christian preacher Ambrose. He didn't go because of the message. He went because Ambrose was considered the most eloquent speaker of his time. Augustine was moving toward a real crisis in who he was. The gap between his ideals and his conduct were tremendous. But he really was uncertain of what to do. And it's in the middle of that crisis, according to the story, he is sitting one day in a walled garden when he hears a neighbor child. And the child is singing or saying, depending on who tells the story, take up and read, take up and read. And he looks down beside him and he realizes he has with him a copy of Paul's letters. And he reads, let us conduct ourselves becoming of the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, but putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's today's lesson. That's the one you heard Dave read. And Augustine was awakened and he discovered for the first time the truth he'd been looking for all his life. And you remember he later writes, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Shortly after this, he and his son were both baptized 
And so became the, began the career of one who had the most profound and lasting effect on Christianity, perhaps of anybody. It was Augustine who directly influences the Reformation. You wouldn't be sitting here without Augustine. Because without Augustine, there wouldn't have been a John Calvin or a John Knox. It's Advent. The world of time grows shorter now. And it's not just the days, but our sense of what we need to be about. Watch. You do not know the hour, Jesus says. Advent always focuses on God's time. And God's time is always really deep down at its core, filled with good, glorious, profound news for a humanity that chooses. You know it's the beginning of the Christian year, right? It's the time of awakening. Who among us doesn't need to be awakened? Who among us does not need to take this moment to step away from the world's smoky haze and see again. Slowly we let our passions and desires overtake our higher mental function until our lives are heavy with sleep and we can no longer see not the baby we are anticipating nor the mighty king who is yet to be. Today's scripture comes from a people who have been waiting for generations for the coming of the Messiah. It's not really Arnold Schwarzenegger who says, I'll be back. It's Jesus Christ. And that's the one who will be back. Today's gospel was addressed to people who were tired of waiting. It was addressed to people like us who keep seeing the same thing every day. And we want the world to look different. We sang it this morning. Isn't that the ongoing struggle? We believe in this Jesus. We know this Jesus is coming again. But we live now. How do we see this? How do we sense again this coming King? To those who have become despairing and disillusioned in waiting, the gospel says, be patient. Hold on. Stay alert. God will come upon you like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. That's not the language I would use to describe the coming of God. Would you use that language? That's, but that's Jesus' language. Suddenly and without, and without warning. But you know, every time we come to communion, and today's not a communion Sunday, next Sunday will be, but every time we come to communion, we use oftentimes the acclamation, 
Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And beyond our ability to understand, we understand anyway that God continues to reach out to and for his people. Jesus warns us against the speculation that won't help us. Here's the strange thief who comes not to rip you off, but to give you something you couldn't have otherwise. Here's the one who comes not to take away your possessions, but to give you life and give you life abundantly. That's Advent. And that's what we're preparing for in the midst of the text, in the mix of the tinsel and the lights, in the midst of all the things we're about. It is listening for that still, small voice of the one who has come and the one who is yet to be and the one who calls you now. The one who says, today is the day. Make today count. What do you need to do? What is God calling you to do to make your life meaningful? Watch. You do not know the hour or the day. Isn't it odd that when we think about the story of Jesus, we think about it as something that's always in the past. Babies and mangers and such. But that's particularly odd when you consider the resurrection to be true. Because if the resurrection of Jesus really happened as we believe it did, then we have more future with Jesus than we have past. We have more present with Jesus than we have past. It's more about today and tomorrow, not yesterday. Watch, for the hour is upon us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our faith community, visit us online at chpres.org.